Being different has been frowned upon for too long. It's time us weirdos join together and unite. Being weird doesn't have to be a curse, a burden, or even a sacrifice one makes. Weird is wonderful. And if the millions of weird animals of the world have taught us anything, it's that your weirdness is what makes you great. Today, you'll be joining me, Deidre, a fellow weirdo, animal educator, and lover of all things just a, a bit strange, as we journey into the world of Weird Animal Facts Explicit, the podcast dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. As a previous zookeeper, I know that I am a bit biased, especially when I say that the two animals of today are very cute. Yet you may have never heard of either of them. The Vietnamese Mossy Frog and Okapi. Before we get started, I would like to thank you weirdos out there tuning in today. And if you have an animal in mind that I haven't covered yet in this podcast, but would like to learn more about them, then please reach out on our Instagram page at WAF Podcast. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a weird-looking animal, because even if you want to learn about an animal that's considered to be normal, chances are I will either find a few weird facts about it, or I'll be a complete weirdo in my telling of the critter. And while you contemplate what animal you'd like to learn more about, let me weave together some wonderfully weird words on our first animal. Vietnamese mossy frog. Is it a frog? Is it moss? Who knows? That's the beauty of this tiny amphibian. Go ahead and whip out your credit card, you consumer whore. Now imagine a green and brown bumpy frog sitting on top of your card, because it would fit perfectly. Obviously, your credit card is not the natural home for this bumpy beast, as that would be Vietnam. Obviously, it's called the Vietnamese mossy frog. And for those of you not familiar with the Vietnamese landscape, There are actually a lot of trees and quite a few caves. In fact, the mossy frog itself lives in the flooded caves. As you can imagine, being an amphibian, water is very important for the frog. Although they are not always in the water in their adult form, it is suggested for them to keep water around for, say, an easy escape. But this frog is more likely not going to run. Because it will fight! No, 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 that's not, they don't do that. They don't fight. And I know you can't see this frog right now, unless, of course, you're checking it out on our Instagram. But the mossy frog is called as such because it looks like moss. But it's definitely a frog. (laughs) Don't misunderstand me, it's not moss. But it does look like moss due to its color and those bumps that cover the body. There are a few other frogs that are in the same genus. Kingdom phylum class. Order. Family genus species. And because they don't have the cool mossy lichen color, they look to be sick because of those bumps. As for our mossy frog of today, those bumps just help them to go invisible. And some say they even play dead. Although their playing dead isn't quite as dramatic as an opossum, as they just sort of like fold up into a ball. Maybe the mossy frog should take some tips from our opossum friend. Fun fact! Of the other frog species in the mossy frog's genus, some have colorizations to look like the bark of a tree, while another looks like bird shit. (laughs) That sucks. I mean, to literally look like shit your entire life? (laughs) 
Talk about pulling the short straw in that beauty contest. She's so lucky. She's a frog. But she looks like a stupid little bird chick. I suppose if hiding by looking like something else is keeping you alive, well, you might as well stick to it. After all, the mossy frog isn't an endangered species at this time, which is great to hear as many frogs and amphibian species are at risk of going extinct. And just think how sad of a place this world would be without frogs and other amphibians. The Muppets would be over, and Miss Piggy would probably go into a murdering spree so to avenge her love. If there was ever a greater reason to keep amphibians alive, it is to prevent Miss Piggy from murdering you in your sleep. How would a frog and a pig have sex anyways? As for the frog and frog action, there are actually a couple different ways and positions. Oh yeah. Hello everyone, I am Dr. Beverly Loveless, and it's now time to pull out our Kuma Sutra book for frogs. One of the most common and least pleasurable ways of frog reproduction is external. Yes, it gets the job done, but as did your parents, but we don't want to hear about that. We will touch on it for a moment, which is less than what we can say for the actual process. <laughs> as this involves a female expelling her eggs for the male to simply expel his sperm over top. Again, not a very kinky night if you ask me. As for the other frog positions, and no, we aren't talking about when the female squats over the laying on his back male and proceeds to bounce up and down, as that's not the true way of the frogs. That style is one of the somewhat adventurous positions for the humans. In most cases, internal fertilization for frogs looks similar to what humans refer to as doggy style but is actually more like a piggyback ride with some BDSM incorporated. The male will mount the female on her back and depending on each other's sizes and the presence of a nuptial pad, which I like to call a sex thumb as it helps the male hold on to the female. The male will grapple around the female, again depending on the size of each, the male's arms might only reach the side of her face. But in some cases, the arms, along with the nuptial pad, can hold around the chest tightly or even around the neck in what could be called a choke hold. Or they could hold the neck and the chest, and some will even simply hug around these hips. Now, another fascinating way frogs have sex is simply butt to butt. Technically, it'd be cloaca to cloaca, but it's rather cute if you look at it. It reminds me of the bird's cloaca kiss. When it comes to the hugs, or implexes, as it's technically called, if the male is a bit too small for him to hold around the neck and for their cloacas to touch, which can be unfortunate, but there is an alternative. He will simply ejaculate on the female's back and allow his sperm to run down the female's spine and into the fertilization hole. And the sex life of frogs is very exciting, if I do say so myself. And the reason being that with the exception of humans and apes, and perhaps the mischievous dolphin as well, most animals only have one single mating position, while frogs have seven. But that does not mean they will not discover more, because just like a young woman discovering her sexuality, frogs 
are adapting every day. And I look forward to learning and then sharing with you those new and fun sex positions of the animals. Bye-bye! Fun fact! Normally it's just the males who have this nuptial thumb. But in the mossy frog, both males and females have it. Another odd characteristic that both the male and female mossy frogs share that isn't common is vocalization. Normally with frogs, when you hear that chorus of croaks, it's just the males you're hearing who want to fuck. But both with the mossy frog, it's been observed, and both the male and female will croak. Typically, it is just the male, or at least he'll vocalize more often when compared to the female, but the female's capable of doing it too. Let's back up just a bit so that we can return to those nuptial pads. Which, yes, it is weird the female mossy frog has one too, but these nuptial pads are their own kind of weird. For males, during breeding season, is uh, when it can become easier to tell the males from the female due to the male's nuptial pads swelling. So I guess you can think of it like a male human's penis getting hard. <laughs> Only it's not quite like that. The nuptial pad of the male mossy frog will also become red or pinkish during the breeding season. Oh yeah, and also the female mossy frogs are also like 20% larger than the males. Like their whole body is 20% larger than them. Who run the world? Girls. Who run the world? Girls. Who run the world? Girls. Being that males are so much smaller than the females, he really needs to hold on. And these pads help give him an even better grip. But frogs already have exceptional grip. They can climb on walls. If you happen to listen to the Leaf Tail Gecko episode, 47, then you already learned the complicated ways that those fancy lizards climb on walls. And you would think that frogs' feet would be even more complicated. But it's not! Their feet are just sticky. Or more so, their feet produces a sticky substance that allows them to hold on to stuff. Mucus. That sticky substance? It's mucus. They climb with the use of mucus being secreted from their feet skin. But because of this mucus, it works like a wet adhesive. Think of like liquid nails or simply Elmer's glue. And because of this wet adhesive mucus, these climbing frogs do a much better job at climbing on other wet things. All this means is that if the thing that they want to climb on is too dry, they will have a harder time doing it. The secret isn't just the stickiness, but also nanopillars, which are just the larger structures on the towpads. When their sticky solution gets between those nanopillars, it helps the frog get a better grip. Obviously, more research is needed to truly understand all the wonders that is the climbing feet of the frog. Why the fuck should I care? Well, do you drive a car or live in a world with vehicles that possess tires? Because scientists are hoping that by studying both the tree frog and wall climbing lizard's feet, it can give us more insight and better designs for our vehicle tires. Well, I have a question. If tree frogs climb because of the wet, then how come when it rains, I hydroplane? Well, that's probably because your tires are bald and you should get new ones. But remember, with climbing tree frogs, it's not just the mucus that allows them to get grip. It's also the nanopillars, which are kind of like the ridges in your tire. When your tire is bald, you slip and slide everywhere, 
even if it's not raining. But have you ever gotten brand new tires before? After having tires so smooth that Mr. Clean's head would be jealous? Ooh, baby, what a sensation it is to come to an instant stop. Whew. You probably need new tires. Go check it out. By the way, there are over 5,000 known frog species in the world, and not all of them are exceptional climbers. The mossy frog happens to be a tree frog, and tree frogs are great climbers. Others, like the American bullfrog, isn't about that Spider-Man lifestyle of hanging from the trees. There are only about 800 species of tree frogs in the world, and just because they're called tree frogs doesn't mean they live in trees. It generally means that they are good at climbing and could possibly climb a tree if they really wanted to. In the mossy frog's case, they might not be so much tree climbers, but they most certainly could. For now, I think the mossy frog would rather sit on a mossy rock of the high humid air of Vietnam and stay absolutely still so that predators and people alike would leave it the fuck alone. Scientific names are hard. This is the part of the show where I attempt to read a scientific name. And I read it how it's phonetically written out because I don't know Latin. So let's give it a try. Here is the Vietnamese mossy frog scientific name. Theloderma cortical. Theloderma cortical. Oh, I think I did pretty good. Oh yeah. It's the transition song. From going to one topic to the next, it's the transition song, so that we have no awkward silence. Oh, copy. Oh, uh, whaty? Oh, copy. No, I don't copy. Can you repeat? Oh, copy. Chances are you have never heard of this animal. And furthermore, it might even sound like I'm making it up especially once I describe it to you. But you know what, Let's, since the okapi is its own type of weird, I think I should let Mother Nature and God explain their thoughts of the process to you. Howdy y'all, we're Mother Nature and God, and we've been renovating animals for over one billion years. When trying to meet our clients' needs, we look at the ecosystem as a whole, as well as our clients' need to survive. Welcome, Welcome to, to Animal, animal Renovations. renovations. Today, we'll be designing the okapi. And when speaking with our client, it sounded like they weren't too sure as to what they wanted. So it was then up to me and God to try to work out what it was they had in mind. We needed to start with the interior first, so that we could, as normal, work from the inside out. You've gotta have a good foundation before you start with the exterior. But this imbecile only cared about the looks. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look sexy. I wouldn't call the Okapi sexy. Speak for yourself. But because our client had some idea of what they wanted, we were going to have to work with them from the outside in. The first thing that the Okapi liked was the look of the giraffe. Which is a ridiculous looking animal. I completely agree, but it's whatever the client wants. So I had to talk with Okapi about how a giraffe design would actually help them in their home. It wouldn't. They live in thick forest. If we gave that old copy that long giraffe neck that they wanted, well, they would have been decapitated by a branch. Luckily, I was able to talk copy down from that six foot long neck to a more reasonable length. 
but I still had God add a few extra inches. That way the Okapi still felt like they had some of that giraffe request. Yet somehow I was still able to put in a normal sized tongue? Well, I wouldn't call 14 inches normal. It is when compared to the zebra, another random animal the Okapi wanted in the design. If you ask me, Mother Nature is getting too generous with the client's request. Even though we made most of the interior workings like a giraffe, it still wanted to look like a zebra, but somebody ran out of ink. Shh! That's not what I told the Akape. As far as they're concerned, the zebra print on the rump and the leg was part of my original design. <laughs> but yes, I did run out of ink. <laughs> so we decided- You! You decided. Fine. I decided to focus more on the giraffe request and make the Okapi an even-toed ungulate. You see, zebras are like horses with one toe. Meaning I had to add an additional toe to the Okapi so to attempt to replicate the feet of the giraffe's two toes. And you did such a great job at it too. Thanks, God. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did do a good job, didn't I? <laughs> well, we didn't stop there. We gave the Okapi large giraffe-like ears, almost the same size. Really makes the Okapi look cute, doesn't it? Those ears were a bit tricky as Mother Nature pointed out to me that being that the Okapi lives in the thick forest, they'd need to hear any predators coming up. That's why I made those ears adjustable, able to move in almost every direction, kind of like a cat. But don't tell the Okapi that. We sure are keeping a lot of secrets from this client. All they said was they wanted to be a giraffe that looked like a zebra, and were very particular about that. I just hope those ossicones did the trick. That's right, an okapi is pretty much a giraffe, but shorter, yet taller than a zebra, is a chocolatey brown color, but has a zebra print ass. It's a weird looking thing. But it is in the giraffe family. Kingdom phylum class. Order. Family genus species. That means in addition to being known as the forest giraffe, they are also a ruminant. Ruminant. An animal that chews the cud. Specifically, an herbivore, even-toed, hoofed mammal that has a complex three-chamber or four-chamber stomach. Okapis, like giraffes, have a four-chamber stomach. Fun fact! The ruminants with three-chamber stomachs are those in the camelid family, like camels, llamas, and alpacas. As we've learned from the guanaco, the white-tailed deer, and muntjac episodes, ruminants rely on microorganisms to help them digest and process the vegetation that they eat. For the okapi and even giraffe, they eat things that are in trees. But seeing that the okapi is only 8 feet tall in comparison to the nearly 20 foot tall giraffe, the okapi has a bit more restrictions as far as how high they can reach up. But you could argue they have more selection seeing that they live in the lush forest of the Dominic Republic of the Congo versus the semi-arid giraffe habitat of the savanna. Sahara. Not savanna. However, even though the okapi isn't reaching up for those leaves, on the very tippy top of those tall trees, they still use their tongue in very similar ways as the giraffe. Looking like a tentacle reaching from their throat, the okapi's tongue is a long, purplish, flexible thing, able to wrap around a branch and strip it of its leaves. Their tongue looks to be something out of a sci-fi sea space movie, but that purpliness 
of their tongue is thought to not only just look spooky, but to help protect it from getting sunburned. If your tongue had to be constantly out picking food from high up branches, you wouldn't want it to get burned. When was the last time you got sunburned? It does not feel good. Now just imagine that burn on your tongue. Speaking of protecting oneself, even though the akapi is fairly large, it still has to be on the lookout for predators. As Mother Nature and God pointed out, the ears are able to rotate in all directions, so to listen more closely. And if that sneaking predator started getting too close and the akapi had to make a run for it, well, luckily they've got those long legs for speed. But living in a thick forest, you might have to worry about more than just that large cat scratching you. There are branches everywhere! In every movie, with a person running in the woods, what happens? They get scratched up by branches and eventually get knocked over by a big-ass branch. Luckily, the okapi is a bit more adapt to the wooded life than you and would most likely not run directly into a large branch or a tree. But there are still tiny twigs that can poke. And what about their beautiful brownish-black eyes? If something was coming into your face, like a stick, you'd close your eyes in hopes that your eyelids were tough enough to protect you. But if you were in a copy, you could literally suck your eyeballs into its socket. You see, normally the okapi's eyeballs are a bit more protruded. Think about that frightened deer in the headlights. They almost look like they're popping out. That's kind of because they are. Same thing with the okapi. And when they pull that eyeball back, not only is it now protected by the bone of the skull, but the nictitating membrane will come across with a windshield wiper sweep to make sure the eyes are sparkling clean. Ah, what a wondrous life it is to be in a copy. But the wonder does not stop there. Their coat. That's right, that chocolatey velvet zebra-ass coat has more than one use. Let's start with the zebra butt. If you know your animal ass facts, ass facts, then you'll know that the baby zebra will identify their mom based on the stripe pattern that they can see on their mother's butt. It's thought that Akapi babies will do the same thing. But if you were to touch an Akapi, disclaimer, do not touch wildlife, like ever. Don't do, I mean it. I fucking mean it, don't you fucking do it. End of disclaimer. But if you were to touch an Okapi, their fur would feel almost like velvet. Black velvet on the forest giraffe's back. Black velvet is just the height the Okapis lack. It's not a new species, listen up and believe. Black velvet Okapi. In addition to the thin, smooth fur, there'd also be oils. As the Okapi secretes a dark, almost gross body oil. Why? Well, some say it's to help waterproof them. Not to mention the short, thin fur will also help keep them even more silent as they move through the forest. If you're ever in Africa, in the Democrat Republic of the Congo, and you just happen to spot a wild akapi, consider yourself very lucky, as they are called the African unicorns for a reason. They are endangered. Their population is declining. It's thought that there are only about 5,000 individuals left. If you have been inspired by this podcast and would like to help the Okapi, then you should learn as much as you can about the Okapi Conservation Project. The Okapi Conservation Project helps protect the Okapi's natural environment and works to help develop educational programs for local people of the Okapi's community. And I know it's a little 
early, but if you remember, October 18th is World Okapi Day, a day to celebrate the weirdly wonderful ways of the Okapi. And if you'd like to learn more or even donate so to help save this species, then scroll down in the show notes for this episode to find a link to the Okapi Conservation Project's website. And while you're venturing to their page, let me attempt to read the Okapi's scientific name. Scientific names are hard. Oh, this one's easy. Okapi Johnstoney. Fuck yeah, okay. You guys, I just dominated scientific names are hard for this episode. What what? Even though both the mossy frog and okapi are strange and different, they are still animals. The mossy frog is still a tree frog, and the okapi is basically a miniature giraffe living in an apartment building. But just because they are a little different or weird doesn't mean that they are any less important to the world or less special. If anything, these two animals help to color this already wonderful, rainbow-filled world we call home. And if you enjoyed today's episode, then please continue to tune in. That way, we can all add a few new colors to the world. Stay weird.